You may take your seats. Can I have my lap, I mean my um, iPad? I forgot, it's in the, I think, maybe I left it at home, maybe. It's not in there? Okay, it's fine, it's fine. No, the Holy Ghost had me print it out. <laughs> Amen. Wasn't sure if I was going to need it, but it's always good to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because I was just like, let me just print this out. But I got it on an iPad, you know. But praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this time as we dive into your word. Pray none of me, but all of you. Pray for supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Father, grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Father, I pray that they'll realize what took place at the, at the cross, what took place at the resurrection, and Father, I thank you as we discuss the reality of the resurrection, that we will uh, apply um, these truths, redemption applied. May we not be stuck in redemption accomplished, but Lord, Father, may we live out this redemption daily. Father, I thank you, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place, to be raised for our justification. We praise you. We give your name glory. So take a few moments, lift up your hands, and let's just worship the Father for sending the Son. Let us worship the Son for dying in our place. Let us worship the Holy Spirit for applying the work of the Son to us. Father, we, wa we want to worship you. Father, your word declares that you are spirit, and they that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. For you are seeking such worshipers. And Father, we say this morning, seek no more. For you have found some here in Perth Amboy. For we are your worshipers. We call ourselves worshipers of God. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus in our place. We thank you, Father, for loving us with an everlasting love. That your love cannot be denied. That nothing can separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, we want to thank you for dying in our place, for being our substitute, for being our example, for, for dying, for taking upon our infirmities and bearing our sicknesses, carrying our griefs and sorrows. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming a curse for us that we may receive the blessing. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for um, executing the work of the Son to our lives, uh, applying the work of redemption to us. Holy Spirit, you're, you are the greatest teacher there is. You are the greatest one to prophesy. You're the greatest one to bring us to understanding of what the Son did and the plans of the Father. We thank you. We trust you, Holy Spirit, this, this morning to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And we give your name glory and honor as we dive into the, 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 dive into the revelation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. I want to give a shout out to KLM for blessing me last Sunday with this um, blood wash phone. 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. May God um, bless you for sowing into your pastor. Happy Resurrection Saints. On this day, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. The resurrection is crucial to our salvation. I'm so blessed by um, the exhortation and the prayers that went before before I got up that sometimes when people are praying, they, they don't, they're not sure what, like, who they're praying to. So, so they'll say, Father, we want to thank you for dying for us. But you all were very intentional in your prayers because you addressed the, the, the Godhead that actually died for us. The Father did not die, but Jesus died. The Son. So thank you so much for being intentional and on purpose, purposeful in your prayers this morning. Amen. Sometimes, you know, you, you're praying and, you, and people, you know, says all kinds of things to the Father, which they're thinking about the Son with that, and, 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 and that is so important. Amen. So where there is no shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And where there is no resurrection, there is no hope. And we have resurrection. We have hope in the resurrection of Christ. Our very salvation depends upon the resurrection of Christ. It is through the transformative event that our salvation took, was secured. And as we reflect on, over on these saving events, we call it saving events. We, we have the birth of Christ which is a saving event. We celebrate, around, as Christians, we celebrate all year round, but the world celebrates Christmas on that day, and we, we celebrate his, his first coming. That's in the incarnation. And then you have his life. He lived a sinless life. Then you have the event of his death, and then also the resurrection, also his ascension, his intercession, and his return. So we have, and in the midst of that, when he ascended, he also sent to spirit. So we have the descending of the spirit. So these are what we call the saving events of our God, showing us that our salvation, that he is after our salvation. So salvation was prophesied by the prophets of old. And now we as believers enjoy what Christ did. Christ came through a virgin and lived a life that fulfilled the law of God in sinless. He did not sin for one moment. Just think about it. Our Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our big brother did not sin one moment. Sinless. And he died a death that represented us. God placed our sins upon him. Let's think about that. God the Father placed our sins Upon him. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he became sin, right? He became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in him. So he died a death that represented us. Jesus did not die for himself. I, even though that's a simple statement, that changed my life. Jesus did not die for himself, but he died for us. He died in our place. Brother Allen preached a message years ago called In My Place. And that message, go down on sound, go to SoundCloud, download it, listen to it. It, it, it talks about our place, that he was 
dying in our place, not for himself. So God placed our sins upon Jesus. He placed, not only did he place our sins upon Jesus, which would be enough to celebrate for the rest of eternity. Come on. Amen. But he placed our sickness and disease upon him. Man, that's good news. That's good news. He placed our sicknesses and our diseases upon Jesus. He made him to be poor. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, For I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. The great exchange. He became poor, that we may become rich. So not only did he save us from, our, from the wrath of God, from our sins, but he also made Jesus. Isaiah 53 says, that where it says that he crushed the Lord, it pleased the Lord to crush the Lord. Uh, in the Hebrew, it actually says he made Jesus sick. He made Jesus sick. When you get that revelation and allow that truth to resonate or, or be permanently inside of you, it will set you free from sickness and disease. He became sin and he took upon our, let's go there, Matthew 8. Let's go Matthew 8 real quick. This is just my intro. Matthew chapter 8, we're talking about the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. If you don't have it highlighted, highlight it in your Bible. This, you will need this one day. If it's not now, it'll be later. You will need this scripture, this reality. Let's just start with verse 16 real quick. It says, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. All who were sick. And then verse 17, he says, and this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took what? Our what? Illnesses and bore our diseases or sickness. You may have that. I'm reading out the ESV. But he took our illnesses. It wasn't talking about spiritual illness or sickness. He was talking about physical sickness. As you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you'll see him ministering to the sick. Often the ministry, the healing ministry of Jesus is, is throughout the scriptures. And so Jesus took our sickness voluntarily. He just says, I'm going to take your sickness. I became sin. Now I'm taking your sickness. I became poor. I'm taking your disease. Glory to God. Glory to God. He calls G the father calls. Well, let's go back. The Father made Jesus sick for us so that we can receive. So healing, we're not the sick trying to get healed. We're the healed protecting our healing. Amen. Healing is not necessarily a promise. It's a covenant reality. We are the healed protecting our healing. He took, just like he took our sin, you know, he became sin. He bore in his body our sin, our sins in his body. And he also took our sickness. 
and our diseases. So no matter what you're dealing with this morning, whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, or whether it's migraines, whatever sickness you may be dealing with, Jesus took it upon himself. Amen. Jesus became sick by the Father. The Father put him to sick, put, put sickness upon him that we may have health. He calls, the Father calls his son to be separated from himself. The Bible says that Jesus cried, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken us, forsaken me? So Jesus paid the penalty for our sin or the consequences of our sin. I like to say even in our creed what we said, he says he satisfied God's wrath. So Jesus satisfied God's wrath or God's judgment. I was, I was doing a wedding um, yesterday and I was saying to them, don't let the sun go down on your wrath or don't let the sun go down on your anger. And Jesus satisfied God's wrath, the wrath that we all deserve. Amen. He became what we were so that we can become who he is. The scripture says in 1 John 4, as he is, so are we in this world. So we are representatives, representatives of his glory. He became what we were so we can become what he is. His relationship with the father, the son's relationship with the father was broken so that our relationship with the father could be restored. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was lost fellowship, lost relationship. Relationship was destroyed because of sin. And so Jesus came to restore that relationship, restore that fellowship. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he was despised by men and he was rejected by many. He was acquainted with sorrow. He dealt with that. And, and as we look into this, I want you to understand these truths. Go with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. The reality of the resurrection. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm excited this morning just thinking about the resurrection, thinking about that the fact that he got up, that part of our salvation, part of our faith is that we believe that we have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and what? Believe in our hearts that what? God raised Christ from the dead and you shall be saved. So without the resurrection, there's no salvation. First Corinthians 15, Alan kept saying it over and over again that, that if we only had hope in this world, we are miserable. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. The reality of the resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 2, let's start with verse 21. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you in an example so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continue entrusting himself to him who, just, who judges justly. 
he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, King James, by his stripes, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen to the reading of the word. First Peter 2, uh, actually First Peter, the whole book is dealing with submission and authority and how Christians deal with suffering. How many know as believers we're going to suffer? And I know you, we don't like the theology of suffering, but there is a, a, a God view of suffering that we all have to participate. Now, when we talk about suffering, we're not talking about suffering something that Jesus died to get rid of. Sickness, disease, poverty. That is not what we're supposed to suffer with. We suffer persecution. How many have been persecuted? All right. If you haven't, just live a little longer and live godly a little longer, and you'll, you'll, you, ex you will experience some type of persecution. So 1 Peter is dealing with how do we deal with suffering as believers in this world, as believers. The sufferings that Peter is proclaiming is persecution. Peter uses Christ's life and his death as our example, but also as our substitute. So let's take a look into Christ as our substitute. Christ Jesus is our substitute. He's also our example. A lot of times people, the world will look at him as just the example. But as believers, we know the greater truth that he's, he is our substitute. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.22 again. Chapter 2, verse 22. It says this. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Christ did not sin. Let's, let's let that marinate. Even though it's a basic truth, Christ did not sin. Even when he was proclaiming, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He did not sin. Even if when he was, before he went to the cross, he said, um, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He did not sin. He did not sin. And so, Christ lived a perfect life. Imagine, imagine a perfect life, a sinless life, a life without sin. He did not allow the enemy to cause him to sin or to offend the father for one moment. He may have had thoughts come to his mind, but he didn't meditate on ungodly thoughts. He didn't allow that to take root in him. He resisted the world, Christ did, to the extent that he defiled the spirit of the age. This is our Savior, our Lord. That though, he says, the prince of this world or the ruler of this world comes, but he doesn't have any claim on me. There's nothing in me that Satan can use to control me. God reigns through righteousness. Satan reigns through sin. And what God did in Christ is greater than what Satan did in Adam. What God did in Christ is far greater than what Satan and sin did in Adam. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so Christ did not sin. 
He lived a sinless life. He, he says there's nothing that this, the prince of this, of this world, of this realm, has anything on me. There's no, no skeleton in my closet. I am as pure as pure comes. I love the fact that the word refers to him as the Holy One of Israel or Israel. He's the only one holy in Israel. He's the only one is, who is the fulfillment of the promises and the, and, 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 and the prophecies. He is that, that seed of the woman mentioned in Genesis 3.15. He is the prophet that Moses spoke of. He is that fourth man in the fire. Come on. He is that will in the middle of the will. We were talking about the last Adam. I, I, I like the fact that the, the scripture didn't stop and say he's the second Adam only, but he's the last Adam. That after him, there is no other. Uh, what Adam failed to do, Jesus did. Glory to God. And Jesus entered into this darkness and he was the light. He resisted the spirit of the age and did not conform to this world or the pattern of thinking. He showed us the Father and revealed his will to us. If you ever want to know the will of the Father, just look at Jesus. He is the exact image of God the Father, according to Hebrews chapter 1. He is the invisible image or the exact image of the Father. Jesus is God's will in action. Jesus is God's will in action. So if I want to see what God thinks about sin, I look at Jesus. If I want to see what God thinks about sickness and disease, I look at Jesus. If I want to see what God looks at, how he views um, immorality, I look at Jesus. We see the will of the Father express. Jesus is the way. There are many ways you can go, but there's only one way that leads to the Father, and that's Jesus. And I love the scripture, verse 22, it says um, that he did not sin. He committed no sin, and neither was deceit found in his mouth. Neither deceit was found. In his so when Jesus, Jesus was so committed to the will of the Father that you cannot even trace one grain of sin in his life. His birth was necessary in order for him to have a sin-stained, sin-free blood. His, his blood had to be pure in order for his sacrifice to be received by a holy God. Christ suffered for us. And turned around and gave us an example how to suffer righteously. Christ is our substitute. He is our example. Christ did not have deceit in his mouth. That means his words were pure. He spoke God's words. He revealed God's will through his words and his action. His words was accepted by the Father. David prayed this prayer, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, Jesus' words were accepted in the sight of God the Father. The words that I speak, they are life 
and they are spirit. The words that I speak, I only do and I only say what I hear and do, see my father do and say. So he, he, he echoed God's word. He revealed God's will through his words. His words was accepted by the father again. Jesus had perfect speech because it was filled with the spirit of God and filled with life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Jesus only spoke life. And when it was time for him to speak death, he spoke death to things that brought death. First, verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continue entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When people use words, um, abusive words to our Savior, he didn't return those words back. What an example, right? He didn't even threaten, but he remained silent because of his faith in the Father. He could have said some things that would automatically came to pass. I'm going to curse you for saying that. People go around cursing people. It's not the will of God. Be careful about cursing people. And I'm talking about actually trying to put a curse on them through your words. And also putting a cur cussing them out. <laughs> Come on, saints. We don't have no cussing saints in here this morning. We don't use such words. We only say those things that are life and full of the Spirit of God. Come on. If you don't, come on, fake it till you become it. <laughs> Amen. The Savior did not return back those words that those who were persecuting him were spoke speaking to him. He was so committed to doing the will of God and doing it God's way that he decided to say, you know what? My faith is in the greater judge. My faith is in the one who can judge me more justly than you. And Jesus was not moved by his anger. Jesus demonstrated emotional intelligence. He managed his emotions. Come on. We can, use, we, can, we can see him as an example. How many need Jesus, the emotional, uh, uh, the, the, the one who is high in his emotional, emotional intelligence to be Lord of your life, Lord of your emotions, that you don't always respond according to your emotions. We talk about resurrection. We talk about living the life that he died to give us. So we got to allow that life to be Lord or to rule or dominate our emotions. And not always respond because instead of, instead of reacting, respond the way that God wants you to respond. Amen. That'll help you. That'll get you motion on the job. Learning how to control your mouth. Learning how to look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus, when you were on the earth, you have faith in the judge who judges justly. And so, therefore, you didn't say anything that would bring any um, 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 damage or, 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 or there was no deceit found in your mouth. So you, you monitored the words of your mouth. You kept a, a closed door, a, a tight door over your mouth. And so I need you to be Lord over my mouth because I've been saying things that are, that are contrary to the will of God. And I don't want you to do to me what um, the father did to Ze Zacharias. Um, I, I don't want you to mute me because you're, you don't want me to destroy my future. And yet, Jesus is the perfect example of not speaking back to people who were saying some negative things to him. 
Amen. We can pull on that resurrection power and allow that resurrection power to control our mouths. That we don't say things that are offensive. That we don't say things that are damaging to someone's character. That we can speak life. And we can look at different ways. We can get the wisdom of God in our mouths to say things in a way that is uplifting. That even if, when we have to um, provide criticism, we can provide some criticism that will build up and that will teach a person and cause them to come up higher. Amen. We need the power of God in our mouths. The reason why some people who confess the word and that word never comes to pass because they don't say things that are consistent all the time. And they don't believe what they say. There was no lying in Jesus' mouth. There was no, he didn't have a lying tongue. He didn't have a tongue that, that was full of deceit and, 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 and had different motives. His motives were pure. Amen. Amen. That was in my notes. His voice was um, silent so that we can have a voice to speak to the enemy. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, that he became, in other words, he did not open his mouth. He did not retaliate. He, his voice, he, he, he silent his voice so that we can have a voice to speak to the enemy. So he didn't say anything to the enemy when he could have said it. But he turned around and gave us the ability to speak to the enemy. Let's go to verse 24. Let's look at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, I love King James, by his stripes, you have been healed. King James says, by his stripes, you were healed. Let's take a look at this. Verse 24. You need to underline that if, or highlight it in your Bible. Um, again, you will need this one day. Within his body, he bore our sins on the tree. Jesus received our sins within his body. Let's think about that for a moment. Jesus received our sins in his body. Glory to God. Jesus, he received our sins within his body. Everything that was done to Christ's body represented sin in its ugly offsprings. He became sin for us. He became the very thing that displeases the father. His sinless life was built for the punishment of sin. Let's say, let me say that again. His sinless life was built for the punishment of sin. He came with, he came to the earth with a mission in mind. He was sent from the Father to become something that was destroying humanity every day. He became the very ugly thing that causes the wrath of God or invokes the wrath of God on a situation. He became sin or bore our sins in his body and became a curse for us so that we can die to sin and live to righteousness. Let's think about that a little bit. So he, became, he bore our sins in his body. That's what the scripture says. On the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. How many know God wants us to be dead to sin? Um, in Adam, we are alive to sin and dead to God. But in Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God. Uh, we sung that today. 
We are, we got up in him. We are alive in him. It's in him we live and move and have our existence. It, we are, um, every, almost everything in my social media, um, Twitter, um, Facebook, um, MySpace, I, yes, I still got a MySpace, uh, <laughs> Instagram, you, you'll see PD lives in Christ. That's my reality, the reality of the resurrection. My life is hidden in Christ. So when, when he returns, my life is in him. I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so the scripture says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. This is our identification in Christ. Christ was made a curse for us so that we may receive the blessing of Abraham. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. He became sin so we may become righteousness, the righteousness of God. Sin has lost its power over us. Amen. Amen. Sin has no, no right to dominate our lives. Our lives. We, we have, sin is no longer an issue for us. The sin factor has been taken care of in Christ. He bore our sins in his, in our, in his body on that tree. Meditate on that. Think about that. Confess that. Speak those things. He himself bore our sins in his body. He bore, Jesus bore my sins in his body. Why am I still dealing with the sin if he bore it? So therefore sin, he did that so that I may die to sin. So are you dead to sin this morning? Call yourself dead. I call you dead. I'm dead to you. Whether it's marijuana, whether it's, it's ungodly thoughts or, or, or worrying about a situation. I'm dead to worrying. I don't worry. I go to sleep. Um, I, I'm not going to allow situations to control me. I'm dead to sin and, 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 and it's ugly offsprings. I am free. This is my identification in Christ. I identify that the fact that he bore my sins so that I can be dead to sin. He bore my sin so I can die to sin and so I can live to righteousness. Sin no longer controls us. We are free from its power. We are free from its ugly offsprings. Then he goes on, he says, by his wounds or by his stripes, you were healed, King James. You, by his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, by his stripes, we have been healed. So if you were healed, you are healed. If you were here, you are. See, Isaiah was looking to the cross. Isaiah was looking to the cross. He says, with his stripes, I am healed. But first Peter, Peter is looking back at the cross. By his stripes, we were healed. Y'all see that, right? Isaiah was looking to the promise. I, and Peter was living in the promise and looking back at the cross. By his stripes, we were healed. So, so sickness and disease do not have a right to live in my body because I am healed. That's my reality. That is my reality. I am healed. I'm not trying to get healed. So many people are trying to get healed. Oh, I just want to be healed. Lord, touch me. No, he has already provided healing for my physical body. And for those who are going to have babies soon, you've been redeemed from even the pain of childbirth. There's a book called Supernatural Childbirth that you need to get and meditate on. Now, now you're not redeemed from contractions, <laughs> but you are redeemed from the pain, right? The pain, the, the ungodly stuff that takes place sometimes in birthing a kid or two or three. 
Where's Brian when you need him? Uh, um, not him, really, because he didn't birth anything. Um, by whose stripes you have been healed. Amen. This is not, this is, okay, listen, up. this is not a spiritual healing, right? Um, you got Marvin Gaye talking about sexual healing, no such thing. There's no such thing. I know it sounds good, and you might have played on your honeymoon uh, night, but th there's no such thing, right? Um, th th there, it, <laughs> there's just not. Um, um, the the um, spiritual healing, people talk about spiritual healing. Um, my spirit needs to be healed. No, your spirit needs to be reborn. When your spirit gets re reborn, you can walk in your healing. Um, I think what people mean is that th there's a part of their soul that has been marred by sin. And so that emotions, those hurts are in the soulless realm. And that is, a re that is the, 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 the finished work of the cross and the renewing of the mi mind needs to take place in, um, in that person's soul. The, the, if, if there's hurt in your soul this morning... There's, there, is, there is a need for a renewal of the mind. Um, you're not thinking right about that situation. You don't have a God perspective on what took place. And when you see what Jesus went through, that, that, that he bore my griefs. All right. So you, if you're grieving today, they, you, the, the grief was taken care of. Um, we don't sorrow like those who are in the world. Our sorrow is, be, is not like the sorrow unto death. We grieve a lost one, but we rejoice in the fact that we'll see them again if they were born again. And if, were, if they weren't born again, um, he'll wipe away my tears where I'll never cry no more about it. So either way, I'm good. Though I miss you naturally, I'm set free in Christ because he bore my griefs and carried my sorrows. Uh, uh, I don't have to be sorry anymore. Um, I, um, the sorrow he took upon. So grief and sorrow is no longer part of my inheritance. Um, now I'm in Christ and he took it all for me. I can have joy that cannot be explained when I lose a loved one. Um, I, whatever I'm going through, I can make it because I got the greater one. As Angel was praying this morning, I got the greater one working on the inside of me. So he's strengthening me and causing me, causing that resurrecting power to manifest itself in my body. If you're sick this morning, you have the precious promise of Romans 8. It says, in the spirit, it's the same spirit. Am I going too fast? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If he dwells in your body, if he dwells in you, you are his. It says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. So make alive your mortal body. We know that that's talking about the final resurrection, but it also has application for today. That whatever disease that is causing death to come in your body, um, the resurrecting power of Jesus can destroy it. See, that quickening power is available to you right now. Amen. Amen. So by whose stripes? Um, people talk about inner healing or spiritual healing. They just missed it. Um, see, the spirit of man needs to be rebirthed or reborn, and the soul of man needs to be renewed. Uh, we were saved, we've been saved, and we shall be saved. The body needs transformation, and that's coming. Christ's wounds provided healing for our physical body. 
Christ's wounds or Christ's stripes. So meditate on that. Learn how to meditate on the stripes of Jesus. Think about how that sickness and that disease was placed upon him so that you can be free from sickness and disease. Glory to God. The Father made him to be sick for us. Sickness and disease have no right to be in your body. We are, healed, we are the healed protecting our healing. Last verse, 25. For you were string like sheep, but having not now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. His death provided us the open door to return back to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. We're no longer straying away but now restore back to our place in God. He restored that broken relationship and fellowship that we once had that was caused by Adam and our sins. Now we have an open door to come back to the Father at any time we decide we are tired of sin. That's good news. Um, see, we were once um, sheep straying away from the shepherd, but Jesus' death his life, his death, and his resurrection gave me a door to go back to the Father anytime I make a decision. Like the prodigal son, he said he came to himself, I'm going back to my father's house. And so those who stray away from the faith, there is an open door, an open invitation to come on back home. There, there is no closed door in Christ. You can be part of the ark of safety. You can be in the beloved of the Father. That's good news. Uh, there is, he destroyed that, that gap that Adam's sin and our sin created. He destroyed it. So now he is the bridge. He is the mediator. He is the way back to the Father. And good news, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess, if we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that door, that strand away, doesn't have to always stay that way. We can return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Glory to God. Anytime we're tired of sin, we can come back home to the Father. We glory in the cross because it is the cross. It is in the cross that we find mercy. But we don't stay at the cross. See, we have too much um, cross religion and not enough resurrection religion. Um, we don't live, life begins at the cross, but it doesn't end there. See, some denominations or some churches or some um, um, uh, religions, they, they glorify the cross as if there's power in that physical cross. Um, you see from time to time, a scary movie and somebody's possessed, what they do, they pull out the cross. See, there's no power in that physical cross. The power of the cross is in the blood of Jesus. Um, they overcame not by the power of the cross, but by the blood of the lamb. Um, it's what the cross represented. The cross represented defeat to Satan. Amen. Preacher Madden, y'all saying amen. Two more scriptures, and I'm going to sit down. Galatians chapter 3. The reality of the resurrection. Everybody say the re reality of the resurrection. Now, highlight this. Now, if you got a Bible that you feel like is too holy to highlight, get you a Bible you can write in. I'm telling you, you need to mark up your Bible. You need to highlight it. You need to put questions on it. And then when you, when you wear out that Bible, keep that Bible and go to the next one. Amen. And then when you die, you can give it to your kids, your grandkids. Hey, this is what the Lord gave me. 
over the years. Look at the highlight scriptures that I did. What he, and, and, and that kid can build upon what you left behind. That's a legacy. Amen. I know everybody got the little smartphones. We can't really highlight as much. And then that, when that dies, and that, that, the highlights dies as well. So what are you going to do? The benefits of having a physical Bible. I'm sorry. Uh, but we're not against electric Bible. You know that. All right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 will change your life. These two verses will set you up for the rest of your life if you'll get hold of the truths. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we may receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So if I'm dealing with a sickness or disease, this is what I do. I say, let's say it's asthma. I say, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of asthma. I call you gone from my body. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. And I say, asthma, you must leave my body. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of asthma. Asthma, I, and how, what, what, what other scriptures do I have? If you go through Deuteronomy 28, you'll see the blessings and you see the curse. The curses. And it says, it lists all the, have you noticed that the curses are longer than the blessings in that chapter? And you look at all the curses. It covers uh, poverty. It, co it covers sickness and disease, miscarriages, and all those things are listed in the curse. And then it goes on and says, and, in, and all the curses that are not even mentioned in this chapter or in this book. And so we've been redeemed from even curses that are not mentioned in there. So asthma is something kind of like new compared to what they had in Bible. They may have named it something else in the Bible days. But I can say I have been redeemed from the curse of, uh, of asthma. I've been redeemed from the curse of diabetes. I've been redeemed from the curse of cancer. Uh, Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Um, I'm not trying to get delivered from the curse. I don't need a generational curse broken over me because Christ has redeemed me from it. I just need to take my freedom. Um, that generational curse was broken. Um, now I'm in the lineage of spiritual heritage from my father Abraham. We are redeemed. We are purchased. We're delivered from what the law promised to those who, 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 who did not, who failed to obey it. So Christ became a curse for us. He became the very thing that was set up for the lawbreaker. He became the very thing that was set up for the lawbreaker. Hanging on a tree activated the curse. So he hung on a tree so that I could be redeemed from it, from the curse, from, the, from, from breaking the laws of God. The tree represented uh, the penalty of sin. The cross is a tree. And so the cross gives insight into what punishment of breaking God's law look like. Verse 14, it says, um, so that the, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Christ became a curse for us that we may receive the blessing of Abraham. Notice it says the blessing. The blessing is released upon us through the cursing of Jesus on the cross. Christ becoming a curse set us up to receive the blessing of Abraham and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. At times throughout the night, um, when I say throughout the night, let's say throughout the week, I may, um, my son may be asleep and, and in the bed and I, and I go and I lay hands on him 
Well, before I lay hands, I'm praying to Father God, and I say, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the blessing upon him. Um, um, from Genesis to Revelation, um, there is a, you constantly see God releasing the blessing. Notice it's not the blessings, it's the blessing. And, and, and I did something yesterday at a, a wedding that I have never done before. Is after we did the little, you know, I do and the vows and so forth. And after I, I, I charged the witnesses, the witnesses of those who are standing alone, the couple, and as I charged the congregation and, and gave them a warning from God if they didn't do anything, everything is possible to make sure that this union will be prosperous. I released the blessing on that couple. And I say, okay, we're going to go to Deuteronomy 28. And, and it was long. And I read the blessing. I said, no, you, are you here just to, just to go through the form and the fashion and, to, you know, and, and that's it? No, you're going to get a blessing. You know, I spent eight, eight, seven to ten hours with you in counseling, and now I'm going to release what God has given me. And so I began to read that you're blessing the city. And, bless, and so I began to declare, not for richer and poor, but that you're going to go, go up and not down. That's what the blessing says. Uh, I said, you're going to go up. Your money's coming up, and you're going to lend and not borrow. And I because they got a they got a biblical worldview, a biblical worldview of how to spend money because of the counseling. Right. So we did the work and now I'm releasing the blessing. And so I began to declare. And then I said, Father, I release the blessing on this couple right now in the name of Jesus. You're going to go up and not down. There will be no divorce. I release the blessing. I'm telling you, it, it's things have changed. I mean, just the blessing. I mean, I'm releasing the blessing on Destin like all the time. The blessing. When I lay hands, and he sleep, he's like, Ugh. I said, Father, when I lay hands on my son, I release the blessing. And, and this is generations. I speak to generations. Um, the seed that will come out of him. My grandkids, my great-grandkids, and my great grand they'll look back and bless the Lord for this blessing upon him. I said, you won't have to struggle like I struggled. You won't have to go through what I went through because of the blessing upon you. Fathers and mothers lay hands and release the blessing on your children. Amen. I mean, I got I'm getting a revelation about that, and I'm going around releasing blessings. Re release the blessing on your work in your workplace. Um, uh, at one point, working at the school, that was um, they were down and they were about to lose the grant, and they looked at me and said, Pastor, we need something. We need you to do something. I know what they're asking for, the blessing. And I began to release the blessing in that place, and, I, and we, were, we were able to save the grant. I'm telling you, the blessing is upon us. Because Christ redeemed us from the curse. I'm talking about living in the reality of the resurrection. You have the right to walk in the blessing. And, and as I walked down, and I didn't, I, there was a lot of, um, so, so, well, how should I say a lot? There was some unsaved people at the wedding. And, and as I walked, I didn't care. They didn't give me the mic like they were supposed to. But I released the blessing. And I walked down as I walk in the authority of Jesus. And I walk in the blessing of Abraham. And that's the way you and I both must take advantage of. Amen. Amen. Our resurrection was not just only um, physical, talking about when he comes, but it was spiritual. And we have the blessing. Christ became a curse that we may walk in the blessing. I'm going to stop there because I can go on. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for the blessing. We want to thank you for making Jesus a curse for us, that we may receive the blessing of Abraham, the spirit. I thank you that the curse that Jesus became set us up not only for the blessing, but set us up to receive the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit through faith. I thank you that, Lord, come on, raise your hands, saints. We want to thank you, Father, that we have the blessing and we receive the fullness. I thank you that the curse that was placed upon Christ, that he became, that we may have, Father. I thank you, Father. No, lo no longer are we under the curse. We don't operate under the curse anymore. We operate under the blessing. The friend of God, Abraham, who obeyed you, who believed, who had hope against hope, Father. I thank you that the blessing was released upon him. I thank you, Father, even today that we walk in the blessing. The blessing of Abraham is upon us. They are our, the blessing of Abraham is mine. Say the blessing of Abraham is mine. Abraham is mine. And I have received, I have received the, fullness the, the fullness of the Spirit through faith. I worship you, Father. Let's worship the Father. We want to thank you, Father. We thank you, living in reality of the resurrection. I thank you that Jesus bore in his body our sins. Oh, God, I thank you that, Lord, I thank you, you separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. I thank you that sin has no low, no, it doesn't have dominion over our lives. I thank you, Father. I thank you for that, for what Jesus has done. I thank you that he, by his stripes, by his wounds, we were healed. I thank you that we are healed now in Jesus' name. I speak healing. If you need healing in your body, just raise your hand and receive it. I receive healing in my body now. Just say that. I receive healing in my body now. It's by Jesus' stripes. By Jesus, come on, say, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. The Spirit of God is quickening my mortal body. Come on, say, the Spirit of God is quickening my mortal body. Galatians 3.13 is a reality in my body. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of sickness. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of disease. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of poverty. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of spiritual death. I'm alive in Christ. And the blessing of Abraham... Is upon me. I walk in this blessing. Everywhere I go. In Jesus name. Come on give him praise. Father hallelujah. Thank you Father. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. We glorify you. We worship you Father. We thank you Lord. Every eye closed. Every head, every head down. Every eye closed. If you're here tonight. Today. And you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. 